Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show with the Phil Harris Show sandwiched in between two Jack Benny Shows. I hope you're going to enjoy these episodes. Really great night tonight. Anyway, it's 2019, and I thought I'd explain that lately my podcast has been kind of sporadic. I try and get shows out as close to the date they're supposed to come out as possible. But we're having some work done on our house. We had some damage that happened through some water damage. And so my den is now being pushed up into the bedroom, which is where I have the computer system set up. And it's just less convenient to record intros. So you're going to have a lot more of my older intros or sometimes no intro on episodes. Uh, That should get better here in the next few weeks, maybe a month until uh, we get it all better. But... Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd give you that warning. Tonight's episode of the Jack Benny Show from 1949 is from February 6th, and it guest stars Claudette Colbert and Vincent Price, which is pretty cool. Now, they both appear on Jack Benny's tele- television show as well, and that's what this is a tie-in to. So I will link to Jack Benny's television show so you can see that. You can get to it by going to YouTube and typing in Jack Benny and Claudette Colbert or Jack Benny and Vincent Price. And it's the first video that'll come up. Um, It's pretty funny and a great one to watch. Uh, Then after that, we have the band of Phil's band on Phil Harris's show getting fired. And so it's interesting seeing how that's going to happen. And then pulling up the rear from 1939, 10 years earlier. We have, from the 5th of February, Jack challenges Fred to a boxing match. And I'll get more into that in that intro. But these are some of the best of the 1939 episodes. It's really where Jack is starting to reach a new level of quality to his comedy, even beyond what he had before that. And he'll cruise on that for quite a while in that great comedy. So... Uh, You really, these 1949-1939 episodes are just spectacular, and I'm glad we get a chance to present them to you each week, and I hope you're enjoying um, both of them. The other thing is, uh, we're kind of doing a mini fun drive here, because I didn't really do one in the fall. I thank all of you folks that donate um, $6 a month, $2 a month, $5 a month, I mean... Those uh, donations are what make this possible to do this podcast. I just got the bill for um, our Dropbox account, which is where I have all my links at. And it's it's getting close to $250 a year to uh, bring you those links. And that's uh, really $350 a year because I've added to it. But I think I'm going to be able to scale part of it back, so hopefully back down to 250 But We'll see. That just becomes quite expense, and so anything you folks can do to help me uh, deal with those expenses is wonderful. And then that's not even including the bandwidth for the actual shows, which is brings us up at over $1,000 a year that it costs to bring you these shows. So um, donations are definitely helpful if, if you want to donate. Uh, if you just go into your um, search engine and type in Jack Benny podcast uh, will be the first one that comes up and you can click on that and then on the right hand side you'll see lots of different ways to donate Um, so I hope that we're going to get some of your donations to help us keep going and without further ado oh 
actually with further ado, <laughs> we have uh, my old intro here focuses on Vincent Price and the work that he did on Michael Jackson's album Thriller. But now, right now, Michael Jackson's been in the news again uh, with a new uh, documentary that's come out um, with allegations of things that Michael Jackson has done. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it myself. Um, This is not to endorse or not endorse Michael Jackson, simply to say that Vincent Price worked on his album, and it's kind of cool how Vincent Price worked so hard on this and did such a good job. They brought him in, thought they'd have to have him for a lot longer working on the intro that he did, but they said he got it down so fast that they could just kind of give him a rough of, here's what we want you to do. And I think it only took two or three takes before they were satisfied that that he'd done exactly what they'd asked. So pretty amazing to kind of get that timing down. And um, one of our first well-known rap, um, probably the, the biggest rap piece that anyone had done up until that point because rap music hadn't really caught on tremendously nationally at this point but uh, it was just starting to um anyway without further ado now let's get into the show and my old intro about uh vincent price and then on from there have a great week this is vincent price michael jackson is the thriller can you dig it (laughs) well that was kind of a different introduction for us that was an outtake from the thriller sessions for michael jackson's album and had been unreleased until the 25th anniversary edition of the thriller album so i thought i'd bring that to us. Kind of fun. And uh, Vincent Price, of course, is going to be on our episode of Jack Benny's show. Uh, Vincent Price uh, was in a ridiculous amount of movies, probably best known for maybe being in The House of Wax or maybe The Fly. Uh, certainly also known for being in Michael uh, Michael Jackson's album. Uh, after we're done with my podcast here, we'll play you the um, the original uh, rap that was on the very end of the song Thriller from the Thriller album. And so you hear Vincent Price there, and then we'll go right into Jack Benny's show with Vincent Price. Uh, of course, some of us remember Vincent Price in, in my age range as being... Um, what was he? Was he Mr. Honolay? Was that who it was? No, that was Honolay was uh, was uh, somebody who got them to Vincent Price. I don't remember the name of Vincent Price's character, but anyway, uh, he was on uh, the Brady Bunch episode where they went to Hawaii, and when Greg had the uh, the totem that would uh, he'd wear around his neck, and then they thought it would uh, give everybody uh, bad luck. And so they had to go find uh, the place to put it back or something, and they ran into Vincent Price. Um, pretty <laughs> interesting episode all the way around. Anyway, uh, Vincent, what a fun career Vincent Price had, actually, um, to do all these wonderful things. And then I thought he died fairly quickly after doing Thriller, but uh, he, he died about ten years after that. 
1992 or 93, and Thriller was like 83, so. Anyway, enjoy Vincent Price giving us a wonderful performance on Jack Benny's show. Uh, after, of course, we hear the end of Thriller with Vincent Price. Here we go. The foulest stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly goons from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Feeling low. Feeling tense. These eight words are common sense. Smoke a lucky. To be your level best. Smoke a lucky. To be your level best. Your level best. That's just how you'll feel when you line up a lucky. Because... Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense, puts you on the right level to feel and do your level best. It's important to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, mild, ripe, thoroughly enjoyable tobacco. So next time you buy cigarettes, remember, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. Put you on the lucky level where you feel your best and do your best. So, smoke a lucky to feel your level best. The Lucky Strike Program, starring Jack Benny with Phil Harris, Rochester's Dennis Day, Don Wilson, and yours truly, Mary Livingston. Ladies and gentlemen, today is my turn to make the opening announcement because Jack still has Don Wilson locked in his den, and he intends to keep him there till Don signs his new contract. As we look in on Jack's home, we find him and Rochester discussing the situation. Boss, I don't like to butt into your affairs, but I think that if you won't let Mr. Wilson go, you ought to at least give him a little food. He's lost so much weight, his face is getting awful thin. It is? Yeah, this morning I peeked in at him through the keyhole and saw both his eyes peeking back. Well, look, Rochester, I'll let Mr. Wilson out when he signs the contract and not before. But, boss, he's desperate for food. You know that moose head hanging over the piano? Don't tell me he ate the moose head. No, the piano. What? And with those keys sticking out of his mouth, he looks like Don Amici. <laughs> Rochester, stop making up such silly things. I'll get it. Oh, hello, kids. Hello, Jack. Hello, Jack. Well, this is a coincidence, all three of you coming at the same time. Jack, it's no coincidence. We're over here to make a protest. A protest? Yes, just because Don won't sign his contract, you lock him up like a common criminal. 
It's awful. It's humiliating. It's insulting to his dignity. Oh, it is, eh? What have you got to say about it, Dennis? Nothing. Tenors are a dime a dozen. <laughs> well, look, kids, I don't think this is any of your business. I happen to be the boss of my program, and I'll run things the way I want to. Well, we're making it our business. Oh, you are, eh? Let me tell you something. A business is like a ship. And whether it sinks or floats depends upon the captain. And you know what it is when the crew revolts against the captain. Yeah, it's matinee. That's mutiny! <laughs> I'm ashamed of all of you, but you the most, Mary. Imagine you being the ringleader after all I've done for you. Took you from nothing, put you on the radio, and made a big star out of you. Some big star. If I didn't double at the Burbank Theater, I'd starve to death. <laughs> the, uh, the Burbank Theater? Gee, ball of fire, Livingston. <laughs> Boy, now listen, all of you. Now, listen, my business dealings with Don Wilson don't concern you. The only things you should be interested in are your own contract. Well, I got a beef on that, Jackson. Look at the way you got me to sign my last contract. What are you talking about? You signed it in five minutes. I know, but look at the way you tortured me. You shoved a billiard ball in my mouth and locked me in a room with a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Gee, Phil, what did you do? I had to knock out my front teeth. To get the ball out? No, to get the bourbon in. <laughs> Now, look, look, kids. You're better off than I am, Phil. Mr. Benny signed me to the longest-term contract in radio. How long is your contract with Jackson, kid? I don't know, but when I signed it, he slipped a ring on my finger and said, till death do us part. Why, <laughs> oh, you kids should be happy you're working for me. It's something to be proud of. Well, I still think it's humiliating, particularly that clause you have in my contract saying that if anything terrible happens to my sister, babe, you have the right to use it on your program. Well, Mary... Well, babe wrote me and said she's fed up with it, all those terrible things you say about her, like she's modeling harnesses, or she was voted Miss Lower Plate Wobble, or a plain floor and dropped a veil of hay. You gotta stop that, Jack. Okay. By the way, how are things going with your sister, babe? Oh, fine. She meets gorgeous George at the Olympic Wednesday. <laughs> uh, did you write that down, Rochester? Got it! Good. 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 Jack, there's Don rattling at the door. He must be starved. Yeah, Jackson, unlock that door so we can talk to him. I will not. Jack, open that door. We want to talk to Don. Oh, all right. We'll we talk to Don. Talk to Don. Well, Don, are you going to sign that contract? I won't. I won't. <laughs> Who's there with you? Who are those people? Well, uh, Don, uh, don't you recognize us? I'm Mary, and there's Phil and Dennis. I don't know these people. Get him out of here, Jack. They're just here to torture me. Now, look, Don. Uh, Don, I'm your friend, Mary Livingston. Oh, yes, Mary. Mary, please talk to Jack about my contract. Dennis, Dennis, tell Jack to give me a fair deal. Tell him how lousy he is. Oh, he knows that. <laughs> Quiet, kid. You better sign that contract, Dante. You ain't round and firm anymore. Don, why don't you listen to reason and then... Who's that? Oh, look out the window, Mr. Benny. It's your quartet. The sportsmen? I wonder what they want. Jack, that's the only pleasure I get. They come over every day and serenade me. Raise the window, Jack. Please. Okay. Go ahead, fellas. Sing to me. If you had the wings of an angel 
over these prison walls you could fly if you could fly and then you could light up a lucky and write honest john in the sky up in the sky oh we miss you dear don we all miss you and we're hoping that you won't be there long won't be there long but if jack keeps you in there forever mm, just smile and sing a word I'm feeling low, I'm feeling tense, I need eight words are common sense. Smoke a lucky, if he's your level best. Smoke a lucky, and we are sure that you will always be in your very level best. Best, best, level best. That, that, that was very nice, boys. Now, now close the window. Don, Don, that quartet touched a soft spot in my heart. Now, I'll give you that raise you were holding out for. Now, sign the contract and go home. Okay, okay. Give me the pen. I'll sign. I'll sign. There. I did it. I did it. I'm free. I'm free. Do you hear me? Free! Don, look out for the window. Oh, my goodness. He jumped. I'm free. I'm free. It's too, it's too bad he ran away so fast. I was going to give him a new suit and a $5 bill. <laughs> now look, kids, I hope you all learned something from this. Now that I let Don out, I don't want to have trouble with anyone else. From now on, when we have rehearsals, be on time, pay attention to your job, and take direction from me, and there'll be no trouble. Direction from you? Certainly. I've been in radio for 17 years, and I know how things should be done. That's why I'm so much in demand. In demand? Wait a minute, Dad. <laughs> you told me you were going to be on the Ford Theater last Friday night, so I tuned in and heard Claudette Colbert and Vincent Price. You weren't even on. Well, Phil, they begged me, but at the last minute, I couldn't make it. Begged you? That isn't what Claudette told me. Mary, we're not discussing that now. What did Claudette tell you, Mary? Mary, if you say one word, I'm leaving the room. I don't want to hear this silly talk. I don't care. I'm going to tell them. All right, then I'm going out. Come on, Livy, tell us. Well, here's what happened. Last week, when Jack heard that Claudette Colbert was going to be on the Ford Theater program... Yeah, yeah. He immediately called up Fletcher <laughs> Marshall, the director of the show, and tried to get on it, too. He couldn't wait to get to the phone and call Mr. Marshall. Hello, Kenyon and Eckhart, radio advertising agency. Uh, may I speak to Mr. Markle, please? Who's calling? Uh, Jack Benny. What's your hooper? <laughs> Uh, 28.9. Oh, then Mr. Markle will talk to you. Thank you. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Markle. Uh, Mr. Markle, uh, this is Jack Benny. Yes, Mr. Benny, what can I do for you? 
Well, I understand that Claudette Colbert and Vincent Price are appearing on your Ford Theater program. That's right. Well, I thought perhaps you might like to use me instead of Vincent Price. <laughs> Mr. Benny, didn't you do uh, personal appearances in Europe last summer? Yes, yes, I did. And uh, you just finished producing a picture called The Lucky Stiff? Uh-huh. And uh, didn't you just sell your program to CBS? Yes, yes, that's right. Well, please let somebody else make a buck, will you? <laughs> Mr. Markle. Mr. Markle, it, it, it's not a question of money. It's a matter of proper casting. Now, does Miss Colbert know that you have Vincent Price? She picked him. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, don't you think it would be better if we... No. Now, wait a minute. Mr. Markle, if you give me the job, I can save you money. You can? Yes, I can not only act, but I can play in the orchestra. You see, I'm also a violinist. So, you see, by doing two jobs, two jobs for the same salary, I'll be beating Vincent's price. <laughs> hey, that was a good one. <laughs> Mr. Markle. Mr. Markle. Just a moment, please. I'm cutting my wrist. I'll wait. I mean, wait a minute. <laughs> Look at There's no need. There's no need for bloodshed. Now, Mr. Markle, if you don't mind, I'll call Miss Colbert and take the matter up directly with her. I wish you would. Thank you. Goodbye. Now, let's see. I'll look Claudette's number up in the phone book here. Here we are. Caldwell, Cauldron, Colfax, Colcuts. <laughs> I used to go with a girl named Colcuts. <laughs> Blossom cold cuts. <laughs> See, here we are. Colbert. Colbert. Oh, here it is. Claudette Colbert. Press view 73872. Hello? Hello, I'd like to speak to Claudette Colbert, please. This is Miss Colbert speaking. Oh, hello, Claudette. Uh, guess who this is? Well, really, I haven't the slightest idea. Well, you, you know me very well. Now, come on, guess. Well, now... Uh, remember a few years ago at Paramount? Who had the dressing room next to yours? Oh, hello, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy? Look, this isn't Lemoore. Look, Dorothy's dressing room was on one side of yours. Now, who was on the other side? That was a washroom. <laughs> Only part of it. <laughs> Claudette, Claudette, this is Jack. Oh, Jack, hello. Jack who? <laughs> Look, Jack Benny. Benny. And Claudette, you'll never guess why I'm calling. You're starting a pyramid club. <laughs> I mean, besides that, look, <laughs> look one, 
One of the reasons I called is to tell you that I saw your latest picture, Family Honeymoon, and I thought you were wonderful in it. Oh, thank you. You were really marvelous. I thought your characterization, your sincerity, and your comedy interpretation surpassed anything I've ever seen on the screen. Well, that's awfully sweet of you, Jack. I, I want to congratulate you on, uh, uh, on, uh, on, uh... On, uh, on what, Claudette? What have you been doing lately? <laughs> Lately, I'm with Columbia now. Oh, well, how are things on Broadway at nine? <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking, you're thinking of Eastern Columbia. You see, I'm with CBS. Oh. But look, Claudette, here's what I want to talk to you about. You see, Fletcher Markle, the director of the Ford Theater, just called me about the show you're going to do. Called you? Yes. And he suggested that I play the part of your husband in the sketch. But I understood Vincent Price was playing the part. Well, he was scheduled to, but if you want me, all you've got to do is speak up. <laughs> I said, all you've got to do is speak up. Yeah. Claudette. Just call me Johnny Belinda. <laughs> huh? Oh, oh. Well, I, I wish you'd think this over because it would really be a wonderful break. Especially for me. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Let's say it'll do us both a lot of good. Shall we? <laughs> would you mind hanging up? Now, wait a minute, Claudette. How about the idea? Huh? Honestly, Jack, I have nothing now, to look, do Claudette, with Now, look, Claudette, I've got another idea. Why can't Would I... you please deposit five cents for an additional three minutes? Three minutes already? <laughs> Just a second. Would you mind dropping a nickel in, Claudette? <laughs> You called me, remember? Oh, oh, that's right. What am I thinking of? Here, I've got a nickel. There. Gee, it doesn't seem like we've been talking for three minutes, does it, Claudette? You ought to be on this end. <laughs> oh. Well, to come to the point, when do you start rehearsing for the play? Tonight at my house, but I don't think well, you Well, ought... tonight, well, look, at, at your house, at what time? No, Jack, 8 o'clock. I, I really don't think 8 o'clock? Well, thanks, to. Claudette. See you tonight. I'll read the part, and Vincent Price will read the part, and may the best man win. I hope so. I knew you'd be plugging for me. <laughs> well, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, Claudette, shall I come for dinner? Claudette! Claudette! Gee, that second three minutes went fast. <laughs> And you know, kids, after that, you'd think Jack would have sense enough to stay away, but not little blue eyes. No kidding. No, at 8 o'clock sharp, he showed up at Claudette Colbert's house. Gee, Claudette has a nice home. Yes, sir? Uh, Miss Colbert is expecting me for rehearsal. I'm Jack Benny. All right, this way, Mr. Benny. May I take your hat and coat? Here you are. Thank you. Well... The first time I ever saw a hat with a bird nest in it. Give me that. It came off. Oh. <laughs> They're going to rehearse in the drawing room, Mr. Benny. I'll show you it. Thank you. Mr. Price is already here. Oh, he is. One of those, uh, one of those anxious guys, eh? Well, well, Mr. Vincent Price. I'm Jack Benny, the movie star. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Price? So the, um, the two rivals meet, eh? Rivals? What do you mean? 
Well, perhaps I should let Claudette tell you, but it looks like I'm taking your place on the Ford Theater program. That's ridiculous, old boy. Oh, no, it isn't. You see, at rehearsal tonight, you and I are both going to read the part. And, of course, the best man will win. The uh, best man? Yes. Mr. Benny, when only two people are involved in a statement, the comparative is used. You don't say the best man will win, you say the better man will win. Oh. Now, if three or more people are involved, then the word best is the correct adjective. <laughs> I, uh, I see. So before we compete for this part, Mr. Benny, it might be well if you first learn to speak English. <laughs> Well, for your information, Mr. Price, I went to Waukegan High School for four years, and I excelled in English. In fact, I got 99 every single term. Well, ain't that ginger peach? Now, cut that out! <laughs> I've heard of sore losers in my life, but this guy takes the case. Just step right in here, Mr. Markle. Miss Colbert will be with you shortly. Thank you. Oh, hello, Vincent. Fletcher, old boy, how are you? Fine, fine. Hello, Mr. Markle. What are you doing here? Well, I just thought I'd drop around and see if Now, I... listen, Fletcher. I don't know what this is all about, and I demand an explanation. Am I or am I not going to appear opposite Miss Colbert? Of course you are. Then what is this Schlemiel talking about? <laughs> Schlemiel? Yes. S-H-L-E... I know how to spell it. <laughs> I didn't get 99 in English for nothing. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Good evening, everybody. Oh, look, here's Claudette. Oh, hello, oh, Claudette. Claudette. How are you, darling? Well, everybody's here now. Just set the coffee on the table, Richard. Yes, madam. Coffee, Fletcher? No, thank you. Vincent? Yes, please. I'll, uh, I'll have a cup, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Here you are, Jack. Thanks. Mmm. Gee, Claudette, this is the better coffee I ever tasted. <laughs> The word is best. There are only two of us drinking it. Make up your mind. <laughs> For heaven's sake. But well, we're all here, so let's get started with the rehearsal. Richard, uh, you may take the cups away now. But Mr. Benny hasn't finished his coffee yet. Oh, well, you can take his cup. He's drinking out of the saucer. <laughs> Oh, I'm through now, so let's get going with the contest. I mean, the rehearsal. Just one moment. Fletcher, let's get this settled for Mr. Benny's benefit. Is he or is he not replacing me in the play? Certainly not. That's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. I think it's absurd. You stay out of it! <laughs> Just take my saucer like you were told. <laughs> Smart Alec. Now, please, please, let's get on with the rehearsal. Now, Mr. Benny, if you insist on staying, take a chair and be quiet. Yes, sir. Oh, Claudette, is it all right if I have some of these walnuts here? Certainly, help yourself. Thanks. Mmm. See, they're big ones. Now, uh, Claudette, if you and Vincent are ready, please to begin. Boy, these nuts are good. Claudette, uh, in this play, you're a wealthy society girl who's married to a New York stockbroker. That's you, Vincent. <laughs> but, uh... He doesn't love you, Claudette, and as the French say, it's a marriage of convenience. That was a tough one. <laughs> Mr. Benny, will you please stop eating those nuts? Claudette said I could. Anyway, Mr. Markle, I don't want to sit around here like a bump on a log. If I can't have the lead in the play, isn't there something I can do? All right. It'll make you happy. You can play the part of the butler. Hmm. Butler. Here's your script. Thanks. 
Now, remember, Claudette, you're the wife. Vincent, you're the husband who doesn't understand her. And Jack... I'm the butler whom Claudette really loves. You're the butler, that's all. Don't shout at me. I'm old enough to be your brother. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. All right, Claudette. Now, you start the scene. Remember, your husband is two hours late for dinner and you're a nervous wreck. I understand. Now, go ahead. You call the butler. Yes. <clears throat> oh, Smedley. Smedley. Yes, madam. Smedley, yes. <laughs> What is it, madam? Are you sure my husband hasn't phoned? No, madam. Shall I serve dinner? No, Smedley, no. I'm much too upset to eat. I've been under such tension all day. I feel so miserable and low. Oh. Feeling low, feeling tense. Jack! These eight words are common sense. Jack! Smoke a lucky to feel your level better. That's not in the script! <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Some butler was singing commercials yet. Yeah. Now, Claudette, at this point, the husband enters the room. Go ahead, Vincent, make your entrance. Okay. Uh, good evening, darling. So sorry I'm late. Oh, Michael, you're always late, and you're always sorry. It's been like this for months. What's come between us? If I only knew, maybe we could work things out. Oh, it's nothing, my dear. It's just that I've been so busy lately at the office. Now, let's forget it. Come here and give me a kiss, and perhaps we can... Dinner, sir. Oh, pardon me. I came in too soon. <laughs> Not just kiss you and forget it, Michael. We must come to some understanding. This can't go on forever. When? Let's be adult about the whole thing, shall we? Every night it's the same argument, this constant nagging, nagging, nagging. I tell you, I've been working at the office. But I phoned your office and they said you left at two this afternoon. Well, I had business at the bank. Do I have to explain my every move to you? Your jealousy is driving me insane. <laughs> See, this one's got a worm in it. <laughs> Put her back in the bowl. Jack, stop interrupting. I'll continue, Claudette. Yes, uh, oh, it's no use, Michael. I know you're lying. Look at you. Everything you say, everything you do gives you away. We must reach a definite understanding. Well, you can keep on talking. I'm going to have dinner. But, Michael, I can't go through with another day of this uncertainty. I must know. Do you love me or not? Of course I love you. You're lying, Michael. Lying. Very well, then, I'm lying. You might as well know the truth, my dear. I've never loved you, never. Gee. And if you weren't so stupid, you'd have known it long ago. Michael, Michael, what do you say? I married you for your money, that's all. Gosh. Everybody else knew it. And if you weren't such a blind little fool, you would have realized it yourself. Oh, stop! Michael, stop! Well, Glenn, now that you know how things stand, the sooner you divorce me, the happier I'll be. No, no, I'll never divorce you, Michael. I couldn't live without you. I couldn't, I couldn't. Tears, tears. Oh, stop the dramatics. Michael! I'm moving to my club. Smedley, pack my clothes. I wouldn't touch your dirty thing. <laughs> you stinker, Jack! 
Please be quiet, Jack. Uh, continue, Vincent. Well, goodbye, Gwen. I'm going to the club. Our attorneys can get together tomorrow. Don't go, Michael. Please don't go. Stop hanging on to me. But I won't give you up. I won't. I won't. Stop it, I say. Let go of me. No, no. Then take that. <laughs> that does it. Striking a woman. Put up your dukes, Mr. Price. What? Come on, fight. Ooh. <laughs> well, look at Benny. He's out cold. <laughs> Vincent, you shouldn't have hit him so hard. I didn't hit him. I did, madam. <laughs> Shall I throw some cold water in his face? No, no, we'll just go in the other room and rehearse. Come on, Vincent, and bring the walnuts. <laughs> Jack will be back in just a moment, but first... Smoke-a-locky To be your level best Smoke-a-locky To be your level best You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you, and that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco Lucky Strike. For as you know, L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. No wonder more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. Yes, Luckies are the overwhelming choice of the men who really know tobacco. So when you choose your cigarette, remember that Lucky's fine tobacco puts you on the right level, the lucky level, where you feel your best and do your best. Feeling low, feeling tense. These eight words are common sense. Smoke a lucky to be your level best. Smoke a lucky to be your level best. Hmm, that Mary has a lot of nerve. Oh, Jack, Jack. Oh, hello, Claudette. What are you sitting on the curb for? Oh, it's all your fault. You told Mary what happened at your house the other night, and now she's inside telling it to Dennis and Phil. And you know Mary. She'll put in a lot of things that aren't even true. Yeah, yes, I know. Uh, by the way, Jack, how's your nose? Well, it's a little better, but it still hurts. Good night, folks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to tune in to the CBS Sunday lineup, which includes the Prudential Hour, Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, Sam Spade, and Lemon Abner. Don't miss Don Amici in Your Lucky Strike every afternoon. And listen to Dennis Day in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday, time for the Bill Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Druggist. Good evening. This is your Rexall Family Druggist, taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 independent druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign on our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin. 
and they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We independent druggists recommend them to our customers because we know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. This morning, Phil's sponsor, Mr. Scott of the Rexall Company, called him down to his office to discuss certain elements of the program. Alice and her brother William are at home anxiously awaiting as Phil enters. Oh, hello, Phil. What did Rexall want to see you about? Hello, honey. Hiya, Willie. Good morning. Did they fire you, Philip? <laughs> no, they didn't fire me, you little powder pigeon. <laughs> Look, Alice, it's about my band. Mr. Scott's been listening to it very carefully lately, and he thinks it needs improvement. And he insists that I just keep the guys who can read music and let the rest go. Well, that's not too bad. That means you could keep a... And you can also keep a... You gotta fire the whole band? Don't be sarcastic. He just wants me to fire five of the guys. But the worst part of it is that one of the five is Remley. Oh, no, Phil. No, not Frankie. You can't fire your best friend. Well, I don't want to fire him, but Mr. Scott insists. He says Remley is the worst guitarist in the world. <laughs> Phil, that's not true. Is it? Of course not. <laughs> Frankie ain't the worst guitarist in the world. He only sounds that way when he plays. <laughs> oh, gee, honey, I'm going to hate to tell Remley this. Yeah, I know how you feel, Phil. I'd rather cut off my right arm than fire Frankie. Well, don't suggest it to him. <laughs> Philip, I think Francis brought this on himself. He's been with you for 20 years, and his playing hasn't improved one bit. What are you... <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Why, when Frankie first joined my band, he didn't know a guitar from a hole in the wall. And look at him today. What about him? What about him? He's the only guy I know who can play a guitar and make it sound like a hole in the wall. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, Alice. We got a band rehearsal in a half an hour, and I have to break the news to the guys then. It's the toughest thing I ever had to do. Oh, Phil, it's not as difficult as you're making it. All you have to do is tell five musicians they're through. That's all. A guy can get killed that way. <laughs> I don't even know how to tell him. Well, if you want me to, Philip, I can write a dismissal notice which you can read to them. <laughs> That's the first sensible thing I've heard you say other than money. <laughs> you got something there that might soften the blow. Okay, write it, Willie, and use some big words now to confuse the issue. And as soon as you write it, then we'll go down to rehearsal. Oh, 
quick, fellas, hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it when I holler, hold it. <laughs> you wouldn't treat Toscarini this way. <laughs> Guarantee that cat wouldn't stand for it. Let's have it quiet. Now, be quiet and listen to me, fellas. I've got a sad duty to perform. I know you guys won't like to hear this, but i got to do it anyway. Stop apologizing. Sing and get it over with. I ain't going to sing. This is something worse. <laughs> now, it concerns five of you guys. I want the following fellas to come down here when I call out your names. Artie, Al, Baker, Eccles, and Remley. Remley ain't here yet. Oh. Well, now, look. The rest of you listen while I read this to you. <clears throat> <laughs> Gentlemen of the ensemble <laughs> During the past decade Our relationship has transcended A mere academic association And has attained a sublimely Harmonious affinity I like your choice of language By the way, what language is it? <laughs> Yeah, what does it mean, Phil? I'm having enough trouble reading it. Decode it yourself. <laughs> now, be quiet, and I'll continue. However, due to your ineptness and incompetence, it is incumbent upon me to dispense with your services in order to raise the level of my musical aggregation. I throw in one easy word and you jump on it. <laughs> now look, fellas, I... It sure is swell of you to give us more money, Phil. He's our boy, ain't he, fellas? I'm not going to give you more I never said I would. He's a jolly good I never said. He's a jolly good I ain't giving you no raise. We take it all back, he's a louse. Listen, wait a minute, will you? Don't you guys understand? I'm dispensing with your services. You're getting the sack. Your employment has ceased. You mean... Yes. <laughs> I'll thank you to turn in your racing forms. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah, him. Ever since he's been on two networks, it's kind of his head. Now, listen. Are you guys going to get out of here peaceful, or do I have to get tough and throw you out? Well, get a load of the Humphrey Bogart at Local 47. <laughs> hey, you better quit talking and sing before you get murdered. I don't want to sing. Who asked you? All right, fellas, we're going to do Down Among the Sheltering Pond. I don't know that tune. I'm not going to sing it. Well, somebody better sing it because that's what we're going to play. Hit it, fellas. But, fellas, wait a minute. I'm not going to... Alice, start singing. Let's not waste the music. Down. Among the sheltering palms, the honey, wait for me, oh honey, wait for me. Don't be forgetting, we've got a date, out where the sun goes down about eight. How my love is burning, 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 how my 
my heart is yearning, yearning, yearning to be down Among the sheltering palms, oh honey, wait for me Save your breath, Phil. They're gone. I hope you have better luck with Frankie. Him I don't worry about. It's going to be tough to tell him, but I know he'll understand. When I tell Remley he's through, he's going to accept it. Hiya, Curly. Hello, <laughs> Frankie. Hey, um... Look, kid. I, um... I got bad news. Well, what's up? Well, Frankie, the, uh... The sponsor thinks the band is running the show. Four guys have already been given their notice, and, well, well, one more person has to go because the sponsor thinks he's the worst musician in the whole outfit. <laughs> this doesn't come as a shock to you, does it, Frankie? Well, no, I knew sooner or later they'd catch up with you. Wait a minute. <laughs> Getting away with murder for years. <laughs> when does he want me to take over the band? Frankie, hmm? Bill isn't the one that's being fired. It's somebody else on the show. Somebody who's standing right here. That's right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little hint. It's somebody whose initials are F R. F R? <laughs> Whose initials are F.R.? <laughs> oh, no, Curly. Not your wife, Phallus Ray. <laughs> Frankie, I ain't being fired, and Phallus ain't being fired. <laughs> it's you. Mr. Scott says that you gotta go. Why? Well, he doesn't like the way you play the guitar. Well, who cares if he likes it? <laughs> He's just paying me to play it. If he wants to like it, I got to get more money. Now, Frankie, you must admit you're not very good on the guitar. You strum it like you have five thumbs. Alice, I'll thank you not to mention my affliction. Will you stop it, Remley? 
Who ever heard of anybody with five thumbs? All I know is every time I try to hitch a ride, five cars stop. Will you stop already? Now, look, Remley, it ain't because of the way you play altogether. It's your attitude toward the show. You just don't seem to give a darn. What are you talking about? Last Sunday, I played harder than anybody else in the band. I was in on every musical number, and my strumming sounded better than it ever sounded before. Only because you forgot to bring your guitar. <laughs> oh, so that's how my stomach got all scratched up. <laughs> hey, Curly, you're my pal. You've got to think of some way to save my job. That I'd love to do, but how? Hey, Phil, I have an idea. If Mr. Scott were to get letters from listeners praising Frankie... He might change his mind. Hey. Hey, the kid might have something there. That's it. If we can write letters under phony names praising Frankie to the sky, look, I'll even sacrifice myself. I'll say that as far as I'm concerned, Frankie's the brightest spot on the show. He's the only one that I ever listened to, and if it wasn't for his great talent, there wouldn't be a show. How you like that, Frankie? No, it won't work. I won't impress Scott. How do you know? I've been writing him letters like that ever since the show started. <laughs> I got a few left over I wrote to Mr. Fitch, too. <laughs> oh, so that's how I lost that job. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not gonna listen, come... Listen, listen. I can't understand it. Why should he fire a guy like me when he's got a guy like you to fire? <laughs> Look, Frankie, let's face it. Have you got my talent? I got more. Have you got my personality? I got more. Have you got my singing voice? Why, is it missing? <laughs> No, it ain't missing, and if you want proof, get a load of this. No proof, no proof. One time there was a mountaineer who fought so mighty brave, he took his trusty gun and went to a dark, dark cave. The reason for his venture was a story that he'd heard about a bad, ferocious creature called the Jabberwocky Bird. When he got into that dreary cave, our hunter saw a sight. The Jabberwock had seven heads, and each one was a fright. He turned around and headed home, running all the way. And to all the folks who waited there, the mountaineer did say, "'Twas really gand the slithy toasted gyre and gimble in the wave. Old Mimsy were the boar gropes and the mommy rats out grave. Oh, frab just day, kalookalay, and from his bandersnatch. My aim was spoiled by seven heads, but that bird I will catch. Then back into the cave, that mountaineer did go. But how he'd finally get that bird, he really didn't know. This time the mountaineer was armed with knives and traps and bait. He had to catch that jabberwocker, meet a sorry fate. Inside the cave, that gruesome bird confronted him once more. The mountaineer had seven fits and fell right to the floor. He offered up a hasty prayer and murmured, it's the end. But seven jabberwocky heads said, can't we please be friends? We'll brillig in the slithy toes and gyre and gimble in the wave. We'll mimsy in the boar groves and the mommy brass out grave. Oh, frab just day, kalookalay, and from his snatch. The mountaineer said, you mean we're pals? And seven heads said, natch. The mountaineer just shook his head. He couldn't trust his ears. The jabberwocky's seven pairs of eyes were filled with tears the ugly bird broke down and sobbed the witch made me like this and jabberwocky i must be until a man i kiss the mountaineer could not resist that bird's unhappy plea he bravely puckered up his lips and said you'll soon be free they kissed and seven heads became just one of golden curls the ugly jabberwock was then the prettiest of girls they brilliant in the slithy toes and garden and gimbled in the wave. They mimsied in the boar groves and the mommy brass out grave. Oh, frape just day, kalookalay, and from his bandersnatch. That couple now have seven kids. And that is quite a bad.
I've been thinking. Instead of phony letters, why don't we find some listeners who like Frankie and bring them up to Mr. Scott's office? Yeah. Even if we only find one person who likes Remley, then Mr. Scott is going to have to listen to the public. Well, let's get started. It'll be a cinch to find a person who thinks I'm great on the show. Well, all right, all right. Let's go from door to door until we find somebody who likes you. I guarantee you, you won't have to ring more than one doorbell. <laughs> See you later, Alice. Hey, Remley, my feet are killing me. We haven't found anybody who ever even heard of you. Well, be patient, Curly. We've only rung a little over 200 doorbells. <laughs> Let's try this house. I got a feeling that somebody here has heard of me. Well, go ahead. Oh, hello. How do you do, lady? Do you ever listen to the Phil Harris show? Of course I do. And my favorite character is Frankie Remley. I think he's the funniest one on the show. And if he weren't on it, I wouldn't even listen. Well, thank you, madam. <laughs> hey, she's a nice old lady, Curly. I wonder who she is. She's your mother and you know her. <laughs> now, come on, will you? We're gonna try another street, and this time I'm gonna ask the question. Okay. Thanks for trying, Mom. Now remember, Remley, I'm gonna do the talk. Okay, okay. How do you do, sir? Do you ever listen to Phil Harris? Uh, who? Phil Harris. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Amos, what is a Phil Harris? Three million people in Los Angeles, and I gotta ring that doorbell. Come on, Remley. I don't think we're going to find the answer here. Remley, this is the last, last house I'm going to try, and if we don't find somebody here, you're just out of luck. That's all right. Uh, pardon me, son. Do you listen to the Phil Harris program? Are you kidding me? Julius! We were better off with Andy. Let's go, Curly. We ain't going to get any place no, here. Oh, now, just wait a minute. This is our last chance. Uh, look, Julius, uh, we want you to do us a favor, kid. You see, Mr. Remley's in trouble. See, the sponsor fired him. He doesn't think he has any talent. A very shrewd observation. <laughs> that sponsor's a smart man. No wonder he built up a business at 10,000 independent drugstores. Hey, did he fire you too, Mr. Harris? Of course not. He thinks I have a lot of talent. How could anybody that stupid have so many stores? <laughs> hey, Curly, something's got to be done about this kid. I wonder if we can rent him out as a target for a nearsighted knife thrower. <laughs> yeah. Are they using can... them guys anymore? No, no, no. We better not. We need them. We... Look, kid, we got to have somebody go to the sponsor and tell him how much they like me on the air. Would you do it? I'd be glad to tell him how much I like you, except for one thing. What? I hate you! <laughs> well, could you learn to like me for, say, $10? $10? Mr. Remley, an affection for you is slowly starting to warm up within my little bosom. <laughs> well, would $15 heat it up a little faster? Make it 20 and I'll bring it to a quick boil. 
All right, you little pirate. Here's the 20. All right, now look, Julius. Frankie and me are going over to the Rexall office to see Mr. Scott right now. So in about a half an hour, you come up and tell him that you're a great fan of the Rexall show and that you love Mr. Remley. And then while you're at it, throw in a few kind words for me, kid. Now look, we'll see you in Mr. Scott's office in a half an hour. So okay. long. Okay. I'm glad to be able to do something for those guys. I owe them a lot. Look at all they've done for me. Last week, they tried to set fire to me. <laughs> One week, they tried to drown me. Another time, they stuffed me in an oven. A lot of guys are getting mad being treated like that, but am I the kind of kid who holds a grudge? You're darn right I am. <laughs> But, Mr. Scott, I tell you, Frankie's important to the show. Rexall needs him on the program. Why? <laughs> he can't play the guitar. Yeah, but he has other talents besides not being able to play the guitar. What other talents? I'm glad you asked me that. Frankie, show him. Okay, Curly. There, ain't that terrific, Mr. Scott? What's terrific about that? Can you touch your nose with your tongue? <laughs> now watch me, Scotty, I'll reverse it. <laughs> hey, look at that, Mr. Scott. Hey, you gotta admit, that's an unusual talent. Yes. <laughs> Why, with talent like that, I can get a job any place. But I like you, Scotty. So I'm going to give you one more chance. Make up your mind. Do you want me or not? Mr. Remley, for the last time, I don't want you on the show. I wouldn't have you if you paid me, and you can start looking for another job because you're fired. Undecided, huh? <laughs> Mr. Remley, my patience is just about exhausted. I'm a busy man, and I'll thank you to get out. Do you hear me? Get out. Get out. How would you like a punch in the nose? <laughs> Come over here. You don't talk to sponsors that way. Be nice to them. Julius will be here any minute. All right, all right. Mr. Scott, I only want to stay on the show because the public wants me. What makes you think the public wants you? Because on my way over here, I was mobbed by autograph fans. Strangers followed me right up to your office. As a matter of fact, there's a little kid outside your office right now who thinks I'm the greatest thing on the air. A kid I never saw before. Come in, Julius. <laughs> Welcome, stranger. Where's the head man? I gotta see the head man. I'm Mr. Scott, son. What can I do for you? As president of the Rexall Radio Fan Club, I come to tell you that every one of our members think you got the greatest show on the air. Well, that's very gratifying. How many members do you have in your club? Two. <laughs> me and my psychiatrist. <laughs> Hey, kid, cut it out. Start praising me. And, uh, Mr. Scott, I think you got the greatest cast on the year. That Frankie Remley is out of this world. And as for Phil Harris, I wish he were there, too. Are you sure you're a fan of our show? Naturally. I listen to nothing else but. Why, I'd give anything to meet those guys personally. Well, I think that can be arranged. Son, right next to you is Frankie Remley. You mean this man here is my hero? 
Yes, son. You're face to face with the Frankie Remley. Oh, sweet, unbearable ecstasy. <laughs> now, brace yourself, son, because you're in for another thrill. You see, uh, I'm uh, Phil Harris. Phil Harris, too? Oh, burn my clothes, mother. I'm on my way to heaven. <laughs> These two men impress you that much, son? Why shouldn't they? They're the greatest things on the air. The funniest guys in radio. Are you sure you've been listening to the right program? Of course. They're on for Rexall, ain't they? Oh, you're familiar with the product. Naturally. These guys made it famous. Our whole family knows you can depend on any product that bears the name Rexall. Do you use our products yourself, son? No, I'm too young but my father... <laughs> but my father's been smoking Rexalls for now on a 20 years. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Look, schnook. <laughs> Rexall makes drugs. 2,000 of the finest, purest drugs available. And you can recognize where they're sold by the orange and blue sign in the window. Yeah. As I was saying, my mother won't drive anything else but a Rexall. <laughs> Young man, I don't know who you are or what you're up to, but I have no time for your shenanigans, so get out. I ain't leaving till I tell you what these guys paid me to tell you. They paid you? So that's it. Remley, you're definitely fired now. Leave my office. But Mr. Scott... As for you, Harris, you'd better leave with him or I'll... I'll, I'll fire you too. I dare you! Julius! Come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> oh, you little monster. Now Frankie will never get his job back. <laughs> Poor little unemployed me. I paid you to save my job, and you deliberately double-crossed me. Oh, Julius, how can you be such a rat? It's easy once you get the knack of it. <laughs> so long, suckers! Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's an important question a lot of people are asking. Honestly, Jane, with all the different brands of drug products there are, how can a person ever decide which to buy? Why don't we ask this druggist here? Uh, pardon me, but I'd like to know if you recommend any particular brand of drug products. Well, yes, ma'am, I do. Rexall. Is there any particular reason? Well, ma'am, there are dozens of reasons, but here's just one example. Do you know, for instance, that every raw material used in a Rexall drug product has a case history? A case history? Yes, ma'am. A complete record that tells what it is, where it's from, who made it, and, most important of all, the results of all the different chemical analysis made by Rexall scientists. Now, that's just an example, of course, but we Rexall druggists know that the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company get the same scientific care and testing every step of the way until they reach our stores. And because we know this, we've put the orange and blue Rexall sign on our windows. The sign means that ours are the only stores 
where you can get these Rexall products. And in every one of these stores, there's an independent family druggist who will tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. I'm sorry about you losing your job, Frankie. Hmm. I'll talk to Mr. Scott and try to get it back for you, huh? Yeah, but in the meantime, what are you going to do, Rumley? Well, the only one thing I can do, get my old job back as a sopper in the shipyards. A sopper in the shipyards? (laughs) What's that? When they break a bottle of champagne over the ship, I stand down below and sop it up. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1938-1939 season. This episode has Jack continuing to prepare for his fight with Fred Allen. Uh, Last week, uh, as I said, he uh, was at a a fake sparring match, of course, with uh, Rochester in preparation for his fight. And great scene when when, uh, Rochester knocks out his bridge work of Jack, and Jack does a really funny job in that scene. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, you really should. Um, but last week I gave away way too much in the, uh, spoilers, but this is, I did that five years ago or something, so I don't give that much away in spoilers anymore, but what I will say about this episode is they're gearing up the fight, uh, and the feud between Fred Allen and, uh, Jack Benny again, and one of the reasons they're doing it is they have a movie com- coming out in 1940, uh, Love Thy Neighbor, also, the fight that they're uh, talking about staging is a real fight between the two of them, uh, a comedic fight, of course, um, but it is, they actually did that and uh, I believe the, uh, raised money for charity in the process, so uh, that's kind of what this is all gearing up for. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. These uh, episodes are just getting so great now. I mean, Jack and the gang are just really in tune, and uh, we really see the Jack Benny show that will be for years to come, the premier uh, radio show of of all radio shows. Um, Anyway, without further ado, here is Jack and the gang preparing for the fight with Fred Allen. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Kenny Baker, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with just one of those things. Ladies and gentlemen, it may be perfectly true that a rose by any other name would be as fragrant, but if you didn't know what to ask for, you'd never get to enjoy it. So a name is important, it's mighty important, whether you're buying flowers for fragrance or desserts for flavor. That's why we urge you to look for the name Jell-O whenever you're buying a gelatin dessert, because that name is a trademark. 
It's the property of General Foods, and it tells you that here is the real thing, the one and only Jell-O. If you hear any other dessert called Jell-O, you'll know that's incorrect, for there is no other Jell-O. And you'll find it's worthwhile to insist on Jell-O because Jell-O brings you delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. It's put there by a special process, and it's sealed right in so it can't get out. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime, all six have this extra-rich goodness that makes Jell-O America's favorite gelatin dessert. So look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. things played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we bring you... Oh, just a moment, folks. Mary, Mary, where's Jack? He'll be right in. He's in the next room sending a telegram. Oh, he's been in there ten minutes. What's it all about? I don't know. Jack said it was none of my business, so let's open the door and listen. Oh, I wouldn't do that, Mary. It isn't cricket. We're not in England now. Open it up, Mary. Okay. Gee, he looks mad. Operator. Operator, will you please pay attention? I asked for Western Union, you gave me the Plumber's Union three times. I did? <laughs> yes, I'm not a plumber. I don't know a plunger from a trombone. <laughs> now, will you please get me Western Union? All right, handsome. Handsome? Well, you can't even see my face. Well, I can dream, can't I? <laughs> That's all you've been doing. Now, will you please make it snappy? Just a moment, I'll let you talk to information. Look, I don't want to talk to information. For goodness sake, you can talk to the girl. You don't have to marry her. <laughs> Look, miss, I'm in a hurry. Will you please get me Western Union? Okay. Hmm. Gee, that guy fights with everybody. Especially on telephones. Quiet, you two. Here's your party. It's about time. Hello? Western Meat Market. What's your order, please? <laughs> I'd like a pound... Hey, wait a minute. I've got the wrong number. Operator. Operator. Number, please. Look, operator, this is Old Faithful talking. <laughs> now, if it's all right with you, I'd like to send a telegram. Oh, you want Western Union. Yes, and congratulations. <laughs> this is the longest conversation since Cohen on the telephone. Now, look, operator, it's the last time I'm going to... Hello, ask... this is Western Union. What? This is Western Union. Well, for heaven's sake, it's sure good to hear your voice. How are you? Oh, hello, Joe. When did you get in town? I'm sorry, miss, but I'm not Joe. Look, I want to send a wire to Fred Allen, New York City. Oh, so that's the big mystery. This ought to be good. Did you get the name, miss? Fred Allen. Allen, how do you spell it? A is an anteater, L is in liar, another L is in leech, E-N. <laughs> now, here's the message. Dear Mr. Allen, heard your program again last Wednesday, and this is your final warning. Oh, did you hear him, too? I thought I'd die when he said Jack Benny was a male impersonator. <laughs> That's very funny. Now, take my message. Uh, yes, sir. Mr. Allen, if you ever mention the name of Jack Benny again, the undersigned will personally come to New York and kick your new but unpaid-for teeth out. <laughs> Have you got that? Yeah. Good. Sign it, the clutching hand. 
How much is that? Straight message. Just a moment, please. The Clutching Hand? Where did Jack get that name? Oh, you know his rheumatism. <laughs> Quiet, let's go back. How much is it, miss? I haven't got all day. That'll be $2.46 for a straight message. Fine, send it collect. Thank you, Mr. Hand. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> well, that's that. Al will never guess who sent that wire, and he'll be plenty scared. Oh, now what? Hello? Hello, I got Western Union for you. I... I just talked to Western Union. Young lady, how do you keep your job anyway? Well, right now, I'm sitting on the boss's lap. Oh. 800 telephone operators in this city, and I had to get her. I'm late, Don. You can introduce me now. Okay, that was one o'clock jump played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that suave comedian, that sophisticated humorist, that clutching hand, Jack Benny. Thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking, clutching hand. Don, what's the matter with this gang anyway? Can't I even make a telephone call without everybody eavesdropping? Well, Jack, it really wasn't my idea. Oh, it wasn't? No, I thought of it. You know me, I'm just a spy at heart. Oh, you are? Well, listen, Matta Harris. <laughs> I think... I think spying is about as low a trick as any human being can possibly do. You're right, Jack. Certainly I'm right. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Clutch. <laughs> oh, you too, huh? Well, if you want to know something, Mary, you're nothing but a little snoop Well, at least I never sign a fake name to a telegram Yeah, where did you get that clutching hand stuff? Phil, it so happens that that was my nickname when I was a kid Everybody used to call me Clutching Hand Benny Why? Because I never had a belt for my pants <laughs> That's why are you satisfied? Well, I got the impression you were trying to scare Fred Allen. Did you hear him Wednesday night? Yes, I heard him. I heard him. Every week I get the same question. Well, I tuned in last Wednesday, and I thought he was exceptionally amusing. Amusing? 
Don, I've listened to seashells that were more entertaining than Alan. <laughs> And another thing, to hear Alan talk, you'd think I was a weakling and a coward. That's right, the Daily Double. Quiet. <laughs> and you know, Jack, there isn't a week goes by that Alan doesn't mention how tight you are. He says, I'm tight. He's a fine one to talk. Any man that'll tar and feather his straw hat so he can wear it in the wintertime. <laughs> well. No kidding, Jack. Is he really that stingy? Stingy? You want to hear something, Don? I went over to his house one day and caught him painting cheese on mouse traps. <laughs> Isn't that awful, Mary? Starving a poor little mouse? Well, I never saw a fat one in your house. <laughs> Is that so? I've got several with double chins. <laughs> anyway, let's drop, Alan, and talk about something a little more pleasant. Well, speaking of something pleasant, I have some good news for you, Jack. You have? What is it, Don? Well, Phil tells me he's not going to leave our program after all. Really? Why, Phil, what caused this sudden change in your plans? Well, Jack, I thought the whole thing over. And after all, you've always been a regular guy with me. Mm-hmm. And you're a pretty sweet fellow to work for. Mm-hmm. And besides that, I had a little trouble with my sponsor. <laughs> oh, I thought it was something like that. What happened between you and the bubblegum king? Well, uh, just as we were signing a contract where I was to direct the 90-piece symphony orchestra, they threw a net over him. Oh, I thought there was something crazy about that guy. Gee, Phil, didn't you suspect anything? Well, no, I thought he was all right until one afternoon we'd just finished a rehearsal. Uh-huh. And the sponsor said to me, can I take you home? I got my elephant waiting outside. <laughs> An elephant? He must have been batty. Say, Mary, you had lunch with him a couple of times. Didn't you notice he was nuts? I'll say. He used to order fruitcake and laugh at it. <laughs> well, Phil, all I can say is I hope you've learned a lesson and be satisfied to work for a nice fellow like me. Oh, hello, Kenny. Hiya, Jack. Say, Jack, you want to hear something funny? <laughs> what is it, Kenny? I was in the restaurant across the street a few minutes ago, and you know they got a new waitress there. Yeah? So I ordered a cup of coffee, and then I got to talking to her. Uh-huh. And I finally made a date to take her out tonight. Oh, boy! <laughs> well, well, what are you laughing at? Boy, is she homely! <laughs> You certainly pick them, Kenny. So you dated her up, eh? <laughs> yeah. And you know what her name is? What? Bucktooth Annie. <laughs> That's fine. Can you imagine that? Mary's going out with a girl that has buck teeth. Well, he's got to hang his hat someplace, don't he? <laughs> That's right. Well, Kenny, now that you're all excited about your date, have you got a good song for us tonight? Oh, sure. I got a pip. Well, that's swell. Let's have it. Okay. Oh, say, Jack, not changing the subject, but uh, did you hear F.A. last Wednesday night? Yes, I heard F.A., and I thought he was L.Z. <laughs> now, let's not bring that up again. Well, gee, didn't you laugh when he said your arm looks like a buggy whip with fingers? <laughs> My arm looks like a buggy whip, eh? Well, he ought to know. What do you mean, he ought to know? Don, when you're riding behind a horse, and you take the buggy whip in your hand and hit something, well, he ought to know. <laughs> <laughs> And now, Kenny, if you're ready, you may go ahead with your song. Wait a minute. Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. Right here, boy. It's collect. Okay. Wait a minute, Mary. Don't touch it. That's from Fred Allen. Send it back, buddy. I refuse to accept it. Well, I refuse to be surprised. Goodbye. Fred <laughs> Allen isn't going to catch me napping. Sing, Kenny. Imagine trying to hook me for a collect telegram. 
Please Come Out of Your Dream, sung by Kenny Baker, who never will. <laughs> that was really beautiful, Kenny. Gee, some night I wish you'd sing five or six numbers on our program. I better get five or six checks, too. <laughs> All right, Kenny, I was just paying you a compliment. Hmm, what a gang. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight... Some compliment. And now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> for our feature attraction tonight, we are going to present our version of Paramount's famous Chinese picture, Hop Along Cassidy. <laughs> now, I will play Hop, Mary will be Lung, and Kenny will... Pardon me, folks. Come in. Oh, it's you. Hello, Aubrey. Hiya, Chief. Everything's okay outside. How's it going in here? Oh, everything is fine, Aubrey. Uh, just keep your eyes open, that's all. I got you, Chief. Ready to go home now? In a little while. Oh, fellas, uh, this is my bodyguard, Aubrey Mulligan. Your bodyguard? Yes, I just hired him today. My goodness, Jack, what do you need a bodyguard for? Somebody's got to help him find his glasses. <laughs> That's not the only reason, Mary. I figured that Alan might send some thugs out here to get me, and I want to be ready. Thugs, eh? Then you're not scared of Alan personally, is that it? Listen, Phil, why should I be scared of a fella who's so frail that he has fainting spells at least three times a week? Fainting spells? Yes. You know how Alan talks through his nose. You think that's adenoids, don't you? It is adenoids. It is not. That obstruction in his nose is built-in smelling salts. <laughs> I 
So the only reason I got Aubrey is for protection against Alan's henchmen. Aubrey, uh, sit down here and wait till the program is over. Okay. Hey, Chief, how about giving me a knockdown of the dame? Oh, yes, yeah, this is Mary Livingston. Hiya, babe, what you doing tonight? Nothing, you want to shoot some pool? <laughs> Mary, that isn't nice. Now, Aubrey, besides being a bodyguard, there are a couple of more things I want you to do for me, and they're very important. Oh, by the way, can you read? In a pinch, Chief, in a pinch. Well, wait a minute, i got to find out right now. Oh, Don, give him that piece of paper you got there, will you? Okay. Go ahead, read it, Aubrey. The whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It says here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next time you're in a mood for a delicious and temptating dessert, why don't you go to your nearest grocer? Pardon me, Aubrey, that's not temptating, it's tempting. Yes, yeah. Okay, tempting. And ask them for a package of jello. It ain't only easy to make, but it's economical as well. Economical? <laughs> That's not economical, it's economical. Stop buttoning in or I'll lay one on you. <laughs> now, Aubrey, Aubrey, control yourself. Uh, okay, Chief. It ain't only easy to make, but it's economical. You want to make something out of it? <laughs> Aubrey, please, please. It comes in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. It's lime. But it was pretty good, Aubrey. Now, just stay around till after the program, and you can take me home. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as I started to announce before, tonight we are going to present... Uh, pardon me, I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester talking. Oh, what do you want? A telegram just came to the house for you, $8.80 collect. Well, don't accept it. That wire's from Fred Allen. He sent it to me for a gag. Well, he must be laughing now. I paid for it. <laughs> paid for it? Where did you get $8.80? I ripped open the mattress and dipped into your reserve fund. <laughs> oh, you did, eh? Well, stay away from there. Incidentally, I've been missing a lot of bills lately, so I wish you'd stop making my bed with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> now, keep the telegram. I'll read it when I get home. Okay. Oh, now hop in the car and pick me up. I'll be ready in about 15 minutes. I ain't going near that car, boss. Why? What's the matter with it now? Well, every time I step on a starter, the headlights change places. <laughs> oh, are they doing that again? Well, what happens when you use the crank? Coffee comes out. <laughs> Now, that's just a big lie. Well, never mind. I'll take a cab home. Okay. So long, boss. So long. Oh, say, boss, I think you better come home right away. Why? Is there anything wrong? Well, there's a man been prowling around the house all day, and now he's in the backyard. In the backyard? Oh, I get it. I'll be right home, Rochester. In the meantime, do something to keep that man there. Shall I throw him some silverware? No! <laughs> I'll see you in a little while. <laughs> Say, fellas, I'm going to run along now. Rochester tell me there's someone prowling around my backyard. I bet Alan's got something to do with it. That's what I think. Come on, Aubrey, here's your chance. Okay, Chief. Wait a minute, Jack, I'm going with you. Nothing doing, Mary. There might be some rough stuff, and you're liable to get hurt. Go on, I can run as fast as you can. Well, all right, come on. Let's go, Aubrey. Follow me, Chief. I'll take you home in my car. Okay, come on, Mary.
Aubrey. I'm all in from this walking. It was a fine place for your car to run out of gas. I'm sorry, Chief. Gee, are you sure you ran out of gas, Aubrey? Gee, the gauge said full. I said I was out of gas, didn't I? Yes. 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 When you're out of gas, you're out of gas. I know, but I wanted to get home in a hurry. Oh, Jack, we've only got five more blocks. Five more blocks? My feet are killing me. Say, Aubrey, why are we walking down such a dark street? Gee, the main boulevard is only two blocks away. It's more romantic here. Oh. Well, anyway, it's a beautiful night, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, say, Aubrey, I just happened to think I forgot to ask you for references. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Are you worried, Jack? No, I'm not worried. I'm just tired. <laughs> say, Jack, get a load of that tough-looking guy coming towards us. Where? Oh, yes. Hello, Mulligan. Well, as I live and breathe, if it ain't the doctor. Doctor? Say, Chief, I'd like to have you meet a friend of mine, Dr. Thorndike. Oh, glad to know you, Doctor. This is Mary Livingston. Pleased to meet you. How do you do? <laughs> Funny-looking doctor. Are you going our way, Doc? Yeah. I find the night air most beneficial and soothing. So I might as well walk along with you guys. Do you mind, Chief? No, no, no. Come right along, Dr. Thorndike. Well, yes, sir. <laughs> do you... Do you live in this neighborhood, Doctor? I ain't talking, buddy. Oh. <laughs> well, what kind of a doctor are you? He's a swell surgeon. A surgeon? Yeah, what's the matter? Don't you like it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of my best friends are surgeons. <laughs> Say, Jack, I don't think he's a doctor at all. Look at that bulge in his coat pocket. Oh, that's just his handkerchief. Well, it's got a trigger on it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, gentlemen, this walk is very invigorating, isn't it? It, it sure, sure is. is. Oh, Jack, here comes another guy. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, if it ain't Aubrey Mulligan and Doc Thorndike. Hello, Professor Kingsley. Professor? <laughs> Kingsley, yes. Well, ain't this a coincidence? Oh, Professor, this is Jack Benny. Oh, how do you do, Professor? Hiya, buddy. Who's your scoit? Just call me Livy the Lug. <laughs> Mary. Well, fellas, I hate to be rude, but I think I'll run ahead. I'm quite anxious to get home. No, you don't, Chief. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Hey, Professor, you want to take a walk with us? Sure. I find the night air most beneficial and soothing, so I might as well walk along with you guys. Well... Beautiful evening, isn't it, Professor Kingsley? Huh? Yes, and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Huh? Say, Jack, get a load of the professor's cauliflower ears. Well, maybe he teaches boxing. Who knows? Huh? Well, Aubrey, uh, another couple of blocks and we'll be home. Safe and sound, huh, Aubrey? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Do you think it's dark enough here, Professor? Well, what do you think, Doctor? I think it's okay. Hey, it's swell, this night air, so beneficial and soothing. <laughs> Isn't it, fellas? Yeah. All right, buddy, stick them up. What? You hide me up with your hands. Why, Aubrey? You can run along now, lady, and if you open your trap to anybody, we'll bump this here guy off. Yeah, don't talk. Okay. So long, fellas. Goodbye, Jack. I'll see you tomorrow if I don't talk. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, you put one over on me. All right, here's my dough. 
Now, leave me alone. Hey, that's a beautiful war chain into a breach. Yeah, you take it, Doctor. I forgot to send you something for Christmas. Hmm, sentimental, fellas, anyway. Shut up! All right, boys. All right, you got my money and watch. Now, please, let me go. Oh, no, we ain't taking no chances. Off with your pants. My pants? Gee whiz, fellas, we're in Beverly Hills. Grab hold of them, Doc. We'll rip them off. Oh, Jack, come, come on, on fellas. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what's the matter with you guys? Hey, fellas, get a load of them four legs. Yeah. <laughs> Darn you, I'm going to report you guys to the police. Yeah, do that little thing. Come on, let's scram, fellas. So long, Chief. Aubrey Mulligan, you're fired. <laughs> It's a fine thing. Be out in the street here in my BVDs. Oh, well, I've only got another block to go, so I'll run home. <sighs> Gee, I'm so embarrassed. Hello, Jack. Hello, Barbara. Oh, my goodness, of all times to meet Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, Rochester! Rochester, open the door! <laughs> Here's a fashion hint for your dining table. You all know how a touch of bright gay color can dress up a plain costume. Well, a bright, cheerful dessert can dress up a plain meal and make it mighty festive. And here's one you'll want to try. Apricot pecan layers, a swell, colorful combination of orange jello and canned apricots. And you make it like this. First, arrange six halves of canned apricots in a mold. Then dissolve one package of orange jello in a pint of hot water and pour the jello carefully over the apricots. Sprinkle with a quarter cup of broken pecan meats and chill until firm. Believe me, there's a picture. Fruit rich, shimmering orange jello was cheerful as spring sunshine with delicious apricots held firmly inside that glowing mold. Just try it yourself. It's a grand dessert. Ask your grocer tomorrow for orange jello and treat the family to apricot pecan layers. And for that delicious extra-rich fruit flavor, just be sure you get genuine Jell-O. Last number of the 19th program in the new Jello series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to take this opportunity of thanking all of my listeners, as well as the radio editors and critics throughout the United States and Canada, for the lovely tribute they paid the Jello program, members of my cast and myself, in the recent polls conducted by the New York World Telegram and the Radio Daily. So thanks again, folks, and good night. <laughs> Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Marvin LaRoy Productions. This Canton Lord is from the boys from Syracuse. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs> <laughs>